Welcome to the Open Talk Podcast. Please rate and review the podcast because it means a lot to us. If this is helpful content to you, please share on social media so that we can add value to more people's lives. Please also subscribe on the podcast platform that you're listening from so that we can send you new content each time. The Open Talk is a thought-provoking talk show and podcast that offers diverse conversation primarily based on culture and current affairs. The Open Talk, brought to you by Prodigious High Definition. Um, as much as there is Wuhawemur and people are going to say, yeah. okay, that's Tando's brand, right? Mm-hmm. And think of me as just that, as opposed to thinking of me as Tando. If I, if Tando is not Hawemur, there's, there's going to be a disconnect. At some point, the two catch up to one another. You have a warped uh, sense of who that person is. And that's when people try too much to differentiate between the two, when it's really the same thing. And I do believe that sometimes some people don't create the best content, but because they're themselves all the time, people automatically just fall in love with them because they're authentic. Hello everyone, welcome to The Open Talk. I'm Zoe. Uh, today we have a special guest. Oh, how am I? <laughs> how am I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, we have Utando Kambushe. Uh, she is a digital marketing analyst by profession. Uh, on the side, she does photographer, photography, um, video, videography, and she's a YouTuber. She creates content for herself, brands, and other content creators, as well as sharing information on how to create better content. She holds a BCom in marketing management from Vits and has been in marketing for more than four years. Hi, Tando. Hi, Zoe. How are you doing? Wow, what a, what a bio. <laughs> I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. It didn't sound like it until you actually said it. So now that you, you're like, yeah, it's quite a bio. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's quite a bio. Yo. So what I want to know from you, um, what what does content creation mean for you? Because, um, I mean, the the dictionary term for content creation is processing, generating Processing is the processing of generating ideas, topics, and visualizing them and putting them into videos or um, infographics and stuff like that, uh, or other formats. What does content creation mean for you? So uh, for me, I genuinely believe that content creation is more like storytelling. Um, I think it's uh, sort of like taking something that can particularly be ordinary and sort of building a story around it. Um, It's essentially taking something um, that doesn't mean much and just bringing it to life. That's what content creation means to me. Like if I can put it as simply as possible. Oh, wow. I like how you say storytelling. So it's more of like a personal thing. Sorry? I'm saying it's more like a personal thing because, you know, you're telling your story and stuff like that. Yes. And that the thing about um, content creation, it's from your perspective. So you're Mm -hmm. telling your individual story because you can all have 
the same things to use to create content, but we're all going to interpret it differently. And therefore, when we present it, we're going to present it differently because we're all individuals at the end of the day. So we don't think the same, so we can't tell the same stories. I definitely hear you. Because it actually brings me to my next question. Um, Because you see that a lot of content creators, especially um, here in South Africa, a lot of the content is kind of similar, you know, your beauty, your lifestyle. um, You know, you you don't want to become like the same. So I guess it's the personality part of it that makes you stand out and become unique. Yeah, definitely. But what I do find also, uh, I think I'm moving into a different topic here, but sometimes when you find that certain things are very repetitive, it's normally not because of the actual creators, but more uh, because of the brands that give them the briefs. Sometimes they're not given that flexibility to be themselves, even though they were approached on the basis of being themselves. Is it is it frustrating when brands uh, ap- approach the same um, influencers or YouTubers? Because all the time for the same for, for briefs. Yeah, the same people, the same things. It's just the same. <laughs> I, I do believe it can be frustrating, but sometimes you have to consider it from a perspective of that maybe that particular content creator keeps delivering well on the brief, but mm, it could yeah. also be a matter of that it's safer to just use the same mm. person over and over again. Then you can also look at it from a lens of that it's them building a long-term relationship. And I don't have a problem with a brand that builds a long-term relationship with a content creator, just as long as the messaging isn't compromised just because they want to stick with the same content creator all the time. Yeah. Okay, so what are some of the the day-to-day behind the scenes that go into content creation? Because we, so now we just see the end result and we're just enjoying the video and gumnandi, but we don't see the work that goes behind everything. There is so much work that goes behind content creation. Uh, I think when I initially started my YouTube channel and had tutorials on how to create content, I would do some behind the scenes videos and people would literally be like, why does it take so much time? Why is the process that long? But it's, I think, because um, you know what the end goal is, you know what you need in order to create that piece of content or fulfill the end goal. So it goes down to the, the planning understanding that, okay, if the brief says, sometimes also you don't create content for briefs, but I think it's the best way to explain it. Um, So if you have a brief that requires you to take a picture that is lifestyle centric, you need to center it around your lifestyle, but it needs to be a good quality picture or video, whatever the case may be. You know, you need to get the props, you need to set it up, you need to have the correct lighting, You also need to plan in terms of when is the right time to post when my um, 
followers are going to be engaging the most, which day is the most appropriate to post. And also thinking about scheduling in time to respond to all of your engagements. So there's a lot of behind the scenes. And I think um, when you have a campaign, it's even more work because the campaign should be seamless. It should be uh, a story. Even if the posts are three or five days apart, someone should see that, oh, this is coming from the same campaign, but it's a continuation from the previous post Mm. or the previous video so that it seems seamless, authentic, and not just seem that way, but to actually be that way. Mm. No, I hear you. Do you sometimes feel pressure to always top your previous video? Because like you said, quality and all that, people appreciate quality nowadays. Um, You hear people like, oh, the quality of the video, guys, you know? (laughs) So do you feel pressure to always top yourself with every video? Definitely. Um, I think for me, um, people have begun to like know me as somebody who puts in a lot of effort into their content and they do expect better of me but also they also find my content unpredictable like um, I do mainly how-to content so people think I think of very different ideas on how like to share how to create content and because of that I'm always thinking okay what is a way to share this information, but um, amplify it, just make the quality a lot better. So now, um, other than having like main footage, like me speaking right now, I'm going to also shoot um, sort of B-roll footage to accompany what I am saying. So if I'm saying, oh, this is how you edit a picture, Mm -hmm. I'm going to include footage uh, running while I speak of me doing the edits. If I'm talking about something I just bought, I'll probably show uh, footage of me using the product, you know? So I don't just shoot the sit-down video. Yeah. I'll shoot multiple other supporting footage. And that takes time because I don't shoot that all in one day. Um, I do feel like um, I also feed off a lot of other creators. And sometimes I'm like, let me one up on them too, you know? Uh, Okay, yeah. Yeah, I consume a lot of content and I always consume with the idea to learn. So that's my my one thing. I think it's like, it's part of my purpose. I I love learning because I think my purpose is to teach. So I approach it in in, in that sense. I, I recently had a video where I was doing a live update and, um, Almost all creators do life updates on YouTube. But I was like, I don't want to sit and hear about someone's life while they just sit and talk to the camera. So I was thinking, how do I make it more dynamic? So I literally wrote out a script and did a skit. Essentially, I was talking to myself um, and basically updating myself. Yeah, I think so. That video was very creative. Yeah, and I was just like, but I don't think I can watch that video again because it's so cringeworthy to Why? me because at the oh. end of the day, I was speaking to myself. So, <laughs> but that's what it yeah, is though. But, yeah, that's, that's true. But yeah, <laughs> I think of different techniques, different ways to do my content. And more than that, I actually, who equipment. Equipment too. Mm. I keep buying equipment and I plan to buy more equipment just so that I can 
just really amplify my content. As we speak, yeah. I'm downloading Final Cut Pro. So anything. Oh my gosh, always on the job. <laughs> always on the job. So what are some of the obstacles did you face when you started YouTube? Um, the journeys of starting YouTube? How did you even, you know, get the idea of, okay, I want to start a YouTube channel? And what are some of the obstacles you faced um, along the Even now, what are some of the obstacles you're facing? Mm, okay, so I think when I first started my channel, the reason why I started it is I'm sort of a person who's uh, extreme. So um, sharing and, and oversharing, I'm just like an extremist. I will not share anything unless you ask me. Um, so that was why I started my channel, to be quite honest. And then mm. from, from there, I think um, a big obstacle was tripping up in front of the camera. It would take me ages to film one video because if I tripped up on my words, I wanted to start all over again instead of just carrying on. Um, and then the editing was was a big issues because i started filming on my phone first um so it was the learning process but other than that it was it, it was fine um i think i preferred to film on my phone edit on my phone it was much faster than now i use a camera and obviously you have to export the footage etc but i actually didn't have the tools or the equipment that i could um use to edit on uh so I only had my work laptop. You can't really take external footage and put it on your work laptop. So I couldn't edit on proper software. So I would have to transfer that footage from my phone, I mean, from my camera to my phone. And that was a long, tedious process of retransferring files, downloading, then having to delete because there's not enough space on my phone. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I think that has been my biggest obstacle uh on youtube <laughs> the editing the editing the yeah the editing but more so the transferring of footage to edits was such a big issue but thankfully enough literally on monday i bought myself a macbook so i can now oh, awesome. edit comfortably you know so yeah, yeah so i mean i can I definitely re relate to what she's saying because uh Nami, I kind of dabbled into the YouTube, the YouTube bug bit me. <laughs> um, uh -huh, uh -huh. I, created, I created videos on YouTube and I definitely get what you're saying. The whole blabbering and repeating yourself and then deleting the whole thing and starting over. It was Imagine. definitely an obstacle for me. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm taking a break on that right now. <laughs> And and that's actually another thing. It, it, taking breaks is so important. Uh, I remember there was a video that I created at some point last year and yeah. it took the wind out of me. And after that video, I literally disappeared off YouTube for like two months, I believe. Um, before yeah. then, I didn't realize that um, it was tiring me to create these videos. But after that video, the, the video, it frustrated me the day that I was shooting it. So while it was frustrating me, I was like, why am I getting like this frustrated? I could wake up tomorrow and just do the video properly. Like, but why am I so frustrated with it? That yeah. I ended up full, finishing filming the video at like four in the morning. And then when I finished it, I was like... There was something about that video. Like, why was I so determined to finish it that day? One, 
but also why did I, was I so frustrated after I finished it, you know? Then as soon as I uploaded that video, it had really good feedback. People loved the video. And that's when I realized, you know what? I just need to take a break because I then realized why that video took so much out of yeah. me. You put a lot um, into it. I really did put a lot into it. And in actual fact, when I made that video, I was trying to shortcut my process, actually. I was trying to shoot it oh, in a different okay. way that would, would be easier on me, but ended up just totally uh, throwing me off. And mm-hmm. I realized that, you know what, I also need a break because um, I sort of kind of hated creating the video. It took a lot of mental capacity too to do it um in the shortcut way that I thought I was doing but it actually just was far worse than any other way so resting is so important because you're able to think more clearly you're able to see where you're going or where you want to go and just just putting things yeah and, aside and so even clear a vision because exactly. people don't get that exactly. a lot of energy goes into it. You're bringing personality, character, you know, you need to show up. You can't just come to the camera and be down. <laughs> people are not going to watch your video. So how do you, how do you stay relevant? So, um, I know you spoke about the storytelling and, you know, thinking of other creative ways of doing your videos. What are some of the other things you do um, to make sure that people are still engaging in your content, whether it be, Instagram or Twitter or other platforms? How do you stay relevant? Mm. Uh, Staying relevant. Wow. I think I bring myself forward a lot. Um, uh, Other than just being Tando, a content creator, and just taking pictures, um, looking good, and just making YouTube videos, I try to just be myself. I think uh, when I first started the channel and being uh, an extremist in terms of sharing and and, and oversharing, um, I got to a point where I was so comfortable in myself that I could just be myself at any given place. So um, a lot of people refer to me as a bit indifferent, a bit passive, and they're not wrong. But because of that, I'm usually in... The background, just sort of um, doing things myself, um, mm. saying things to myself. I'm not really that present because I'm passive. I'm not really present. So when I decide to be present, people take notice, if I can put it that way. So if I can put it into a, an example, um, when I'm not posting on Instagram or on YouTube or on Twitter, I... Yeah do still interact with people just because you're not seeing me there on on your timeline doesn't mean in the background I'm not I'm still watching people's stories I'm still talking to them um I'm still uh in people's dms on twitter I'm still interacting with other people's content on twitter your presence is still being found still there exactly I when I'm not creating I consume other people's content because like I mentioned I learn that's all that's all that's ever in my mind just continuously learning so as much as I may stop um putting myself out there I'm still around just basically consuming you know and I think if you consume more you're able to deliver better and more so um I think that helps me stay relevant because when I do come back with a video or a picture, somehow it's like 
like, oh, she's back. But I still have the same level of engagement, if not more. Whereas I know when people do decide to take a step back, the engagement is much lower when they come back than um, before. But for me, that's rare. It's really rare when uh, for that to happen. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's how I stay relevant. That when I'm quiet, I'm still pretty present mm. as well. Yeah. But what do you enjoy most about being a content creator? I enjoy what I've planned coming to life. Um, wow. Yeah. I, I enjoy uh, seeing what I've planned come to life, you know, um, especially with uh, something that I might be doing for the first time. Mm. So, um, like I said, like I do um, learn things quite a lot. So when I execute just in the way that I planned it, even having used like a new technique and it comes together, I just, I get so proud of myself, you know. Yeah. Um like with with that life update, I I thought it would be a mess um, because it was the first time I've never filmed with two cameras before. I have never I've never acted before because I had to act. <laughs> yeah. So I've never the whole acted script before. and everything. Never written this, you know, I just <laughs> I I've never done any of that before, and I did encounter some obstacles because um one camera was connected to a mic the other camera wasn't so if I was switching footage it it would mean that I would need to take the audio from the other clip into the other one and that took me ages like even editing that video was so hard for me but I managed to make it come together and even the supporting footage of like me asking my brother to fill my feet of me walking to the kitchen <laughs> and asking him to hand me the tray as if a woman was was carrying the tray. I even made him wear my dress um, so that the, oh when someone sees the hands, it looks like it was me because that's what I was wearing, you know? So, um, yeah, so I, I think I, I, I really enjoy just, just seeing my ideas, what I've planned come to life, really. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. You know, I was going to ask you, um, what are some of the unusual things you've done with content creation? But girl, you, you just answered me. <laughs> the whole, your brother thing. <laughs> yes, that I mean, is one of the most one, unusual things. Can you tell us one more story about like the most unusual thing people do? Well, most unusual thing you've done uh, when it comes to creating content? Hmm, I'm trying to think. Booking an Airbnb seems pretty normal. Um, I have tied my um my not my um tripod, but like you know, there's a smaller tripod that has those bead things or or whatever. Um it's called a Joby Gorilla tripod. So I have used that to tie to a pole before in order to um, to sort of get an angle that I couldn't have gotten if somebody else was um, shooting me or or anything for that matter. So I've, I've, yeah. I've tied my camera to a pole, got the shot, and then had to go and take it. And this is South Africa. I, they, someone could have stolen it. But I just... Dude. I, felt, I felt it was necessary for the angle. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh, a lot goes into it, honestly. I wish people knew the work that goes behind this whole thing because I feel like some people really take um, the whole content creation um, business lightly. In fact, they don't even look at it as a business. Meanwhile, it's like, it's marketing, right? Yes, it definitely is. It's it's all around marketing. And I don't think people um, take it seriously enough. And I think another thing that holds some content creators back is the fact that they look at um, creating content from a brief perspective. Oh, I just need to fulfill the brief the brand has given me instead of, 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 of looking at it from a consumer perspective. And at the end of the day, we're all consumers. So yeah. when you're given a brief to execute and then it makes sense to you because the brand said it should make sense and this is what you have to do. But when you look at it from a consumer lens, you're like, I wouldn't buy this. I wouldn't buy into it. It doesn't seem real. It doesn't seem authentic. But still, you create that content and put it out for the world to consume. And it's like, well, when it backfires, it's like, why, why, why wouldn't you have seen that that wouldn't work, you know? Yeah. So I really believe in looking at content from a consumer perspective, you may still do what you are required to do and what you want to do, but think about it in the sense that if someone were looking at this and receiving this as a consumer, would they buy into it? And if the answer is no, relook it. Yeah. Speaking of brands, um, do you do you guys approach brands or do brands approach you? Um, and how is that whole process of approaching brands yourself? So uh, personally, I don't approach brands. Um, okay. I'm just the type of person who would rather a brand reach out to me because I think um, that gives it gives me room to be free because if they've approached me, I feel like I can I can say how much I charge comfortably so too because you've sought me out I also feel like I can create the kind of content that's important to me the way that I want to create it too because you've approached me means that you should trust yeah. the kind of work that I create um yeah so because of all of those factors I do um mm -hmm. prefer when a brand um contacts me but I also do consult for other people and I'm not against um people reaching out to brands or um, sending proposals to brands. I have even written proposals for people, but it's just that it's, it's one of those things where uh, you just weigh the pros and cons, you know, and you decide based on that, that is it worth it, you know, because it does give brands um, a bigger playing field if if you propose to them they want to lowball you um and mm. stuff like that so usually when they've approached you um it it's usually easier that way you can ask them for the budget as opposed to if you're proposing to them you say that oh this is what i'd like to do for you these are my rates and even if they had a budget of 10k but you said you charge 2.5 they're going to pay you 2.5 if they accept your proposal. So it's just it's just one of those things. But I think another way of proposing without actually proposing is creating content for a brand um, 
and then hope that they actually approach you. And But in that sense, you kind of have to be a bit aggressive with it. You know, you're going to have to go out, get whatever products that they have and continuously create content around um, that brand and just hope that exactly, yeah. Speaking of rate, um, I hope this question is not going to be too personal, but um, I mean, content creation is not your your normal nine to five type of situation. So what I like to know is how do content creators set their rates? Do they set their rates based on based on views, likes, engagement? How do you guys set your rates? I think um, it differs from creator to creator. So um, for for me, I really do um, set my rates based on how much value I bring. Um, I think sort of, uh, I know it's almost like marking your own homework, but that's another thing. Being very <laughs> yeah. sure of yourself is very important because yeah. you're going to allow companies and brands to lowball you if you don't believe in your worth. So for me, I think about it from a value perspective um, where I'm just like, I'm really good at editing. I'm really good at creating content. I'm really good at storytelling. And then on top of that, I have these analytics, which is now a layer I'm adding onto the value that I already have. And then I just keep layering on things that I think are beneficial to a brand and, um, the, the content that they want me to create for them. And using all of those factors, I use that to basically create a rate for myself. But obviously, after having done um, research on what like standard rates are, so you can actually ask other creators if you're brave enough. There are some tools where you can actually just uh, sort of see how much you can charge. And you just basically take all that information and sort of push out a rate of that, okay, this is how much I charge per post, per video, um, et cetera. But I do believe that the most important thing, though, if a brand is approached you, is ask them for their budget. Um, don't just yeah. spit out a number when you don't And know I think it even works with negotiating um, prices and everything like that, charges, I mean. Mm. Because if, if the brand is offering you, um, let's say your rate is 10K, for example, and the brand decides to offer you 7K, instead of saying, no, I won't take 7K, rather say, okay, if you guys uh, want to pay me 7K, I will do only an Instagram story, one post and one tweet, as opposed to doing five for example. So I think sometimes people like to think of negotiation as changing the amount, whereas it can also be changing the, uh, the amount of work that you're going to do. So that's another way to just look at it so that you're not low-balled. You just decide that, okay, I'll take the money you're offering, but for lesser content. Yeah, and even making sure that the the charge the charges that you're charging um, align with the work that you're going to be providing also. Exactly, exactly. You can't under-deliver but overcharge also. So Yeah. So what would you say is the number one key to the success of being um, in this industry? Like the number one key? I think more than one, I think it's two things. I think it's authenticity and consistency. Um, literally, I think 
people like to separate their their personal brand uh, and who they are or whatever the brand they're trying to build or are, they try to separate it from who they really are. But at the end of the day, even when you've created a big business or a big name out of yourself, you still can't, you can't separate the two. Um, as much as there is and people are going to say, yeah. okay, that's Tando's brand, right? Mm-hmm. And think of me as just that, as opposed to thinking of me as Tando. If I, if, Tando is not how it were. There's, there's going to be a disconnect. At some point, the two catch up to one another. And I think we see this often in um, online where someone presents themselves a certain way and that's their brand. And then you start to find out certain things about them along the way. And then it's, you, you start to feel like you have a warped uh, sense of who that person is. And that's when people try too much to differentiate between the two when it's really the same thing. And I do believe that sometimes some people don't create the best content, but because they're themselves all the time, people automatically just fall in love with them because they're authentic. So um, I really do think authenticity is a very, very big factor. Um, And then consistency, I don't mean consistency in posting every day um, or posting on a regular schedule. I think of consistency as consistently doing something that's authentic to you. So I'm removing it from authenticity, but I'm just basically saying, just keep doing the things that you say you're doing. So if you are a person who um, advocates for skincare, um, we should know that, okay, that's that's Tandor, it's Hawema, but it never changes. She's about skincare. It's it, 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 it's it's something that she does all the time. She's an enthusiast yeah. for it. Um, it, it should never stray, basically. We're not people who use only one service, one product. Um, we obviously mix things together, but you can't today talk about that... Um, you, you love going out and having junk food all the time and just fatty meals are your thing. And then on the next day, you're just like, oh, I just, the, the gym is my only safe haven. I love having carrots and vegetables. And exactly, yes. Um, I, I do think it feeds into authenticity, but I think consistently being you and showing up as yourself is a very key thing because even when you drop off in a, in a sense where you're not posting anymore, that's fine. But still, if you come back as yourself, then people are still there for the right reason because you haven't changed at all. Okay. So that's how, that's how I put it, yeah. Okay, well, um, I think we've come to the end of um, this chat. It was really lovely talking to you, Tando. Um, Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Um, actually, I'd like you to share your link to your YouTube channel so that I can also check it out. Oh my gosh, yes. I, I'm pleased. And give me your feedback. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I'll Please, just be on the side yeah. and just be like, okay, I like this girl. Yes, girl. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much for having me, Zoe. Bye. Bye, thank you.